Good morning, Grinders! Welcome to the DFS pregame show. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blenderhead, Blender HD. I even have this little card that they didn't even update it. This hasn't been updated in a year and a half, whatever. Uh, so, yes, I am a soccer analyst. I am a game theory specialist. I'm a former professional stand-up comic and a poker player. So, uh, so yeah, but uh, none, none of my other cool stuff. So, so they need to up, they need to update that. Maybe so, someone ping Devin. Someone, someone in the creative department. I don't know. We're, I'm just glad that that the people on the on the little intro thing that we, we still work for RG. So like, you still get Dean there. You still get Brit. You still get Chop. Okay, so that's pretty good. Okay, we're updated, right? I got results up, results DB updated fully in, in the mornings. So that's good. I always love it because that's what I do in the morning. That's what this show is all about. Reviewing yesterday's slate, talking about strategy, answering your questions about the Roto Grinders tools. Anything game theory-wise, not necessarily on, on today's slate. Who knows? It's a five-game slate. News could happen. We'll, we'll take a take a preview. I mean, if, if it's to show a concept, that, that's perfectly fine. But I, but I, this is what I do in the morning. I get up typically around 10 or 11. I pull up results DB. I take a look what some sharper players did yesterday, kind of review my, my own process, and then, then start looking at today's slate just from a very 50,000-foot view of what it looks like today. And then, uh, you know, you kind of monitor news throughout the day. Maybe, you know, you run some things, you make some experiments, but most of the time, you know, I can make most of my decisions about an hour before lock. So this is kind of teaching time here on YouTube. And if you're on YouTube, I see you guys in the YouTube chat. I see you guys. I see Frederick Duke. I see Corey Stevens, Jason Hall, Alex Yodak, Dan Janning, Michael Lingenfelter. If you're on YouTube, give me those tummy thumbs. Hit the thumbs up button. Keep my apple juice cold in the morning. And if you're listening on the podcast version uh, that comes out a little bit afterwards, you can subscribe on iTunes, rate and review it there because it used to be the Daily Fantasy Fix feed. So there's tons of reviews praising uh, Dan Bach. And I want I want, I want, want more reviews to praise me because now it's the DFS pregame show podcast feed. So if you could give it a, give it a five-star review, write a little, write a couple of blurbs, write a little, Little word there that that that'll be helpful, uh, and and I'll I'll try to get to your your questions in the in the YouTube chat. Remember, the YouTube people are are the are my priority. If you're going to show up here and be here live, I see all these viewers here. I got my YouTube dashboard up here. Uh, you you become the priority. I, I'm I'm here every weekday morning at eleven in the morning, right Eastern. So like, if you can't make it on a certain day, okay, you can't make it. But if you have time from uh, eleven to twelve Eastern. Uh, in the morning on weekdays, and, and you have a question, you had, it's a, you had, something has not been answered for you. If you want to join in the fun in the chat, feel free to feel free to show up. So, so we got we already got people in here uh, asking questions and and everything that that let me let me go through my review. Like, give me give me a couple of minutes, okay? Because they'll be, oh, how do I do this? How do I do that? Which is which is great. I'll I'll, I'll get to it. But uh, as always, uh, I track my my cash game play using a Roto Grinders. Uh, projections, so I'll throw that up right here, and uh, it, w- it was a good night last night, I mean, not on DraftKings necessarily, but FanDuel did well, ended up up about 700 bucks, uh, and this is this is why you play multiple sites, so like, you could win on like, and Yahoo did great, I mean, in comparison to the volume, and then on FanDuel, if you see down here, great, and DraftKings just below the, the cash line, just below, I mean, I still made, made money you know, about half my head-to-heads and stuff like that. But th- this shows the variance of DFS because, like, on, on my on my DraftKings cash team, I had James Harden, and he had a snowflake, right? 
Okay, if James Harden gets about two more buckets, if he hits one three-pointer more than he did, this would have been positive. Instead of going from 1305 to 771, it would have went 1305 to like 1700, right? On just like one James Harden basket. And then, but the reverse on FanDuel, I had Markel Fultz in my lineup. And I still won. You know why? Because I had Markel Fultz and Kobe White in my point guard spots and De'Aaron Fox was like 55% owned in cash. So like, I got an injury. Yeah, I got six points from Markel Fultz. I'm cursing the wind. I'm going to lose on FanDuel today. And then De'Aaron Fox gets injured. So that kind of burns a lot of the other lineups in the the contest. So I got a bit lucky there. I got a bit unlucky at first with Fultz and then got lucky that, you know, Fox was injured as as chalk in the the point guard spot. But sees the dynamic of, of both sides. Like, an injury, a missed bucket, you know, those types of things. Like, they can make the difference. And that's why I like spreading out my volume. So you can see for the year to date, I mean, season to date, so about two weeks, I'm up, I'm up, I'm up with 10 grand. That's pretty good. It's pretty damn good. I mean, uh, my DK win rate is a little bit under the rake. I'm, I'm making it up with uh, some head-to-head volume. FanDuel is just absolutely crushing. And Yahoo, uh, we're finally in the green now even though a little under the 55% win rate that that I'm looking for. But I'm just doing this over the course of the season. It's like looking at an investment, looking at your stock portfolio and going, okay, okay, that's pretty good. Pretty damn good. And it could go up and down. So so let's see what happens today on the five-game slate. But yesterday's slate was interesting. Yesterday's slate, uh, I mean, I always say that. Everyone always says, oh, it's a very interesting slate because how else are we going to subscribe? But NBA DFS slates are always interesting right they're always interesting because of the news and everything changing what we're waiting for the biggest thing yesterday i would say the two biggest things yesterday that affected the slate was one chris wood being ruled out right that came in about an hour before lock an hour and a half before lock so chris wood being uh, removed from the usage and the minutes i mean that essentially demarcus cousins at 4300 on DraftKings was was the best play on the slate by far Okay, uh, then we had the issue with what 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 the Clippers were going to do, right? Does Kawhi play on a back-to-back? He has not played on a back-to-back for what, two and a half years? Something like that, since 2017? But it's a nationally televised game, so the, so the team gets fined if he sits. Are they going to make up an injury? Does Steve Ballmer just not care? They'll, he'll pay the fine. He's a billionaire. He doesn't give us, he doesn't give a crap. We don't know. PG... Paul George was questionable. But everyone everyone went into the slate. A lot of people went into the slate thinking one of these guys is sitting. Maybe Paul George sits in for an injury. Maybe Kawhi fake sits. So a lot of people, especially on a slate that outside of Cousins and maybe Olenek, like we had Olenek as a value. It was on, on the, the context of the slate, yes. LaMelo Ball was a little bit underpriced. P.J. Washington was a little bit underpriced, but outside of that, there wasn't, there really, that wasn't like screaming value. There wasn't like the plug-it-in guy other than Cousins. So people like, we were looking for Batum, Lou Williams, Pat Beverly, like those guys in the late game, Kennard, if Kawhi sits. So a lot of, a lot of sharp players, not all of them, uh, decided to, to, to use optionality. We had a lot of games that started at 7 and 7.30, and a lot of these players were in 7 and 7.30 games, Eastern. So the Clippers weren't playing until 10 o'clock. You had the Clippers 
and then you had the the the, uh, the Kings, the Clippers Warriors game, and the uh, and the Kings Bulls game. So like if if everything from the Clippers works out, like like now you have the value there. So you saw a lot of spots that were still open. But what ended up happening? Paul George is playing. Kawhi is playing. So pretty much that destroys the value of all the other cheap uh, Clippers. So now you're sitting there at 10 o'clock going, who do I play? Well, if 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 you swapped uh, well enough, you probably got Kobe White and Marvin Bagley, and that was great for you, but you probably had to settle on something like Garrett Temple. You had to play, I mean, you the value in some of these spots was was quite thin yesterday. You really had to go reaching in order in order to do that. And uh, the main leverage point on the slate was in the power forward center spot. Okay? Because Cousins was going to be, look, 50% owned. We see it right here. Kelly Olynyk, power forward center, 37% owned. P.J. Washington, 20% owned, power forward center. So if you want to get leverage with, with construction, these are all cheap guys that fit power forward center spots, it would have been done, done by flipping the construction. Right? The problem is, is that we really didn't have many guards of value. You had to find some cheap small forward in a lot of lineups. So if you flipped the construction, you were looking for high price center. You were looking at Drummond, Embiid, those types of guys. Giannis even. I saw a couple of sharp players played a bunch of Giannis lineups. And then you flip the construction that way. So you, you may not fade Cousins. But you're going to play a high price center since the high price centers were going to go under owned because there just aren't spots for them. If you're going to play the best projected value on the slate. So that that's what I did in some of my lineups. I, unfortunately, I played Embiid, Cousins. And if I'm going to play Embiid and I'm going to pay up the guard, like that point guard spot was most likely, unless you were playing like a LaMelo ball type in that range, you most likely were paying up. A lot of people paid up, ended up paying up for Curry because they were looking to correlate Curry with the cheap Clippers value, but that didn't materialize. I was looking more to, if I'm playing Embiid, who am I paying up for at, at, in a guard spot? Well, I chose Russell Westbrook when, turns out, Bradley Beal was the play to, 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 to go, but I could have played either. Just I needed to fill a point guard spot more so than a shooting guard spot, and both Westbrook and Beal projected well. So, like, obviously one is more expensive than the other. I chose Westbrook, but the idea was right. Like, the idea, I got the Wizards, Sixers, I played a little bit of Seth Curry on my non-Embiid teams. So, like, in the lineups where I am playing, like, Olenek Cousins type of lineups and I'm not flipping the construction, I'm trying to get different elsewhere now, right? So, I'm going to play a Seth Curry. It goes along with my Sixers-Wizards type of exposure. I also played a bunch of uh, Victor Oladipo because he went along with Cousins and Harden and those guys, right? I'm looking if I'm gonna pl- if I'm gonna play players that are good or well projected, well enough projected for the context of the slate. I'm more likely to play them in lineups with other players. If I'm gonna have Cousins on the Rockets, I'm gonna play. Uh, I'm gonna find a Pacer to play, right? Maybe not Sabonis. But it turns out that I I probably should have taken Brogdon instead, right? It's like a, you're you're the one team made off. Yesterday, I, I, I built five lineups. I've been focusing on single-entry GPP play or small field stuff. So I only hand-built five lineups on 11 games late. For someone that's used to, me, I'm used to being one of these people, right, that uh, you see on the results DB screen. 
They have 150 lineups. Now, okay, I don't play 150 in large field, but maybe I play 50 to 60, 80, 75, something like that. So I'm used to being like, okay, well, I can make some Giannis lineups and I can make some hard lineups and I can get leverage here, I get leverage there, and I'm making a whole bunch of different types of outcomes, right? This lineup's good, this lineup's good, this lineup goes this way. If this lineup fails, this lineup does well. Like, I'm used to that type of mentality where, like, I could pick out, like, 15 different leverage points and at least and play at least one lineup that fits each leverage point in 80 lineups and hope and hey I hope one of them works out gets me first place a little bit harder when you have to simplify it and go well I got five lineups I have to pick like three right can I what's the best three so that's what I'm working on in in my game it's it's not it's single entry three max play was something that I never focused on I mean, I, I play single entry in three-meg contests, but that's kind of the last thing. That's kind of like, let me do my builds, let me do my cash lineup, and then, oh, yeah, okay. What, what's my, I would look at, like, what's out of my 80 large field build. I would look at, like, the top couple of lineups that are projected and go, like, yeah, that's the type of lineup I'm going to play in single entry three-megs. Like, not, not really think throughout the day of how I'm going to attack this smaller field contest. So, so I'm, I'm learning alongside you. In some extent. So maybe, maybe, maybe I end up being a, a better small field player than I am a large field player. Because in large field play, like, you're, you're going to lose, like, most most days until you, you win first place, building good lineups. So th- that's, that's what I did. But we see here, I, play, I played a lot of Trey Young. Trey Young was awful yesterday. Oh, my God. Right? A lot, a lot of sharp players, uh, in, especially in single entry, I saw that, that I respect played uh, Trey Young. And you play Trey Young with Capella. Right, and then you then you have uh, you have the, the the Hornets guys. It made sense. You're playing Ball. You're playing Washington. If you're going to pay up for guard anyway, why play Curry there? Why play Westbrook there? Why play Why play someone like that there? Play Trey Young. He and I mean he actually got more ownership than I thought. We had him projected uh, yesterday at like five or six percent. He came in at eleven percent in the large field. He came in at eleven percent. I think it was nine nine percent in the kind of the single entry contest that I was in, which is still low enough. But I mean, I I thought it would be even lower than that. I thought it would be like five to seven percent, which is still fine. He just he, he had a horrible, horrible game. So I'm I'm looking through the YouTube chat. People are talking about the lineup set that that they played, that they played. Let's let's see let's see some of the comments here. Okay, here's Kai Roach. Kai Roach got my bankroll from 100 to 700 in the past three weeks. Uh, with, with, with my strategy, which is not my strategy. It's, it's really, it's really, it's not my strategy. This is just game theory, right? Other pay, you, you, there's a hundred different strategies on the slate to just, uh, conceptualizing it. I, I didn't, I didn't invent this stuff. So he had third place single entry last night for $250 for his biggest win yet. Thanks, Jordan. Okay. Thank you. Uh, it's appreciated. Just, just understand. I didn't make up these strategies. Like I'm not the inventor of, of mathematical concepts. Like, it's just that, 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 that is what they are. Okay, let's see. Uh, going through the chat, going through the chat. Uh, Robert Berlinski says, Fultz and Fox are examples why you don't spend 20% of your role on a night. Yeah, there you go. Variance. You can't predict that. You can't project injuries. Really? Right? People, Cousins had like a huge first quarter and people were like, oh, no Cousins, no cash. And I'm like, hey, he could get ejected in the next minute, right? We've seen DeMarcus Cousins get ejected immediately, right? There's, there's so much variance in DFS. You can't, you can't be that confident all the time that, that probably if you're, if you're, if you're playing 20% of your bankroll, especially in GPP, like 
that it's a, it's a it's a walking disaster. Yeah, you're you're gonna go broke. Okay, so going through, uh, right. Even Cola says there were a few good centers that went off. You could have you could have yeah. I had Holmes. I had Holmes in two lineups. Yes, there were a couple of there. Right, you didn't need Cousins anymore because I mean he kind of died in the fourth quarter. Like I don't know, he didn't play. I mean he got forty points for forty three hundred. I mean come on, that's almost ten x. So most likely you would have liked to have him. Right, but Kelly O didn't get there, right? P.J. Washington got there. He was good. He got, he got a nice 7X. LaMelo kind of got there. I mean, what, 6X or so, right? Something like that. Capella, eh, not, not, not a flame or anything like that. But yeah, you, you didn't necessarily need need Cousins, but uh, it, it definitely would have helped. But yeah, but to win a large field GPP, you needed Bradley Beal. I mean, like when guy puts up nearly 80, and he's like 30 points more than any other player on the slate. Yeah, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna need that. You're going to need it. Uh, Jeremy Worley asks, Good morning, Blender. I'm an RG subscriber. Great. You can, you can get all of this. Like, this results DB here is free. You can, you can see you don't even need to be a, a RG member. This is completely free. So you could just go to rotogrinders.com slash results DB. But if you want the lineup HQ, if you want all the content which is, there's so, there's so much of it. The premium videos, crunch time before lock, like that, that's premium stuff. So go to rotogrinders.com slash premium or click on the link in the description and you get $10 off your first month. That's how you get all the, all the projections, all of everything. You get access to the premium discord. I'm in there all the time. People ask me questions in there all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm active most of the day. So, so join premium, but, uh, but he wants to know about using the smash percentage when building lineups for GPP. I'll, I, I was, I was, I'll show that in, in a little bit, uh, Jeremy, uh, when we talk about uh, today's slate. Uh, Michael Lingenfelter says, why does Embiid seem to be in the top 10 of projection smash ceiling with good value, yet usually a third of the ownership of other people with the same smash projection? Because, because if there's cheap centers available, like most, like, the, that ends up becoming great value, but there's only two spots to put centers in. It's a position scarcity thing. Centers are typically, when there's a smash center value, sma- I, I want to call it smash, like a value that only fills a center spot, like the only other play, the only way to play that guy, the only way to play Cousins with Embiid is by putting Embiid in the utility. They're both only center eligible. It's the only position on on the on on the draft on DraftKings that only fits in two spots. Now, obviously, if they're power forward center, now they start fitting into four spots: power forward, center, utility forward, and the utility, the regular utility. So that's four spots that it could fit into. So anyone that is just center eligible, like if we have a shooting guard, let's say someone is shooting guard, just shooting guard, how many slots can they fit into? The shooting guard slot, the guard utility spot. And then the, the the utility utility spots. That's three spots. If someone is uh, shooting guard, is guard and forward eligible, like we get some of these, like Victor Oladipo was shooting guard and small forward eligible. How many spots can they fit into? Well, they could fit into the shooting guard spot, the small forward spot, the utility guard and the utility forward spot, and the regular utility spot on DraftKings. So anyone with this SGSF, could fit into five spots. Anything with an SFPF could fit into four spots, right? PFC could fit into four spots, but center only is the only one that could fit into two spots. That's why Embiid or Vooch or Jokic or 
Name uh, they, on a slate with 11 games and there's tons of high price centers. Like, that's why you're going to see the center ownership. Like, it doesn't matter how well they project. It's like they project just as well as guards and forwards in their price range, but there's no place to put those centers. Like, you need to, you'd rather fill a guard spot because you already filled a center spot with the Marcus Cousins or, or Kelly Olinick or PJ Washington. So that's that's the reason. It's not it's not that there's some delusion out there that's like oh, I don't want to pay for Embiid. It's it's a positional scarcity thing. Uh, I mean, look on Fanduel. We could say the same thing. There's only one center spot, right? I mean, if you have a slate with uh, ten great centers, they're all going to go under owned. Okay, going through the chat, going through the chat. QQ, how did the Sharks get on Denzel Valentine as value? They didn't. I'm telling you, they didn't. If you take a look here at results DB. Anyone, you see a lot of people that have like Temple and Bagley and and Kobe White and like, it was it was people that used optionality. They were waiting on the Clippers news. They were prepared. They, they made their lineups as if Kawhi was out. Okay? You, but you missed like, like nearly half, more than half the games on the slate if you did that. Like you had to bypass... Guys at 7 and 7.30 and 8 o'clock. Maybe even 9 o'clock. So you only had two games left, right? So let's say you're sitting there with four slots. You were planning on playing like Lou Williams, Nick Batum, Paul George, right? You have those guys in your lineup. Steph Curry is a run back or something like that. You have three or four slots in your lineup. Then it's like, nope, clips are fully healthy. And Marcus Morris is going to play as well. So now, great. Now, now, Now we got more bodies in there. That takes usage in minutes. So now you look and you go, what the hell do I do now? I got four spots. And you were planning on at least two of them being guys in like the 4K range, right? 3,800, something like that. So like who who was available at that point? <laughs> right, Garrett Temple, Denzel Valentine, you know, those types of guys. Marvin Bagley, people switch to Bagley. If you switch to Bagley and Kobe White, you were good as part of it. Some people stayed with Curry and Kawhi and then found some something. They played Kennard off the bench. Because at that point, you just, there's, there's, your options are limited. So, like, it's not that they, it's not that they originally got on Denzel Valentine. They ended up having to get on, on Denzel Valentine because they got to fill out their roster. Uh... Matthew P. says, I saw you in, uh, yeah, he saw me in the $40 single entry and I didn't cash with Hayward. That's kind of wild. Yeah, because I had Trey Young in that lineup. That's that's why. When Trey Young only gives me 15 points opposite Hayward, uh, that, that'll that that'll be a problem, right? Uh, Jake Lazarus asks, are there certain positions, types of players to target based on game script or betting market like in football? Like how home favorite running backs are generally good plays? No. Basketball. I mean, if you if you watch basketball now, I mean, what's a position in basketball now? I mean, we have guys like Jimmy Butler. What position does he play? Is he the point guard? Is he a small forward? What's Giannis? Well, I mean, what what are these? I mean, it's kind of positional as basketball now. Like, yes, I guess they 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 they're technically you have some traditional centers. You have guys that are the wing players, three and D wing players, those types of things, but. Like the the actual positional, I mean, we fa- we make fun sometimes of the positions that DraftKings or FanDuel like puts players at. Like, doesn't FanDuel have like Tyler Hero as a small forward? Like, is he? Is he really a small forward? Is he the point guard? Is Jimmy Butler the small forward? Who knows, right? So like, you can't let like, those correlation matrices 
for like the position. I think an NBA doesn't doesn't even matter anymore. Just play the play, play whatever. It's just to me the positional requirements are just based on what the what DraftKings and FanDuel make it as. But I'm not saying well I'm going to attack point guards versus this team and centers versus that team. I, I like I don't the, the game is too fluid and they could switch off of people. That it, it it's it's. You're going to end up, it's going to be a wash. You're going to get it right sometimes. You're going to get it wrong sometimes. It's going to be 50-50, and you're going to just waste your time uh, thinking about things like that. Okay, looking through the YouTube chat. Remember the YouTube chat, people. You're 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 my priority. Give me those thummy thumbs. Apparently people like me. Like it when I say thummy thumbs. My, my apple juice. Pretty cold. You're doing well. You're doing well. We're getting, oh, we're not even at three figures. Not even at three figures likes. And we're only we're halfway through the show. Got to do better than that. Uh, let's see. Matthew P, John Wall, SGA, Kobe White at low ownership for me and GPP. Yeah. It's an 11-game slate. There's so many options for leverage. All those players projected well enough, right? Those weren't garbage, badly projected players for their prices. So, yeah, you could play them. I played John Wall in a lineup. I played Kobe White in a lineup. I mean, it, the whole lineup didn't get there, so it doesn't matter, Right? It didn't, it didn't, it didn't get there. It doesn't matter. Yes, great. I played John Wall with Cousins, but I had Oladipo in that lineup, so it doesn't matter anymore. Okay. Let's go through. How do, uh, Kai Roach asks, how do you feel about just ignoring exposure? It seems like you should just do the best plays at 100% every time. I don't know what that means. Exposures don't, doesn't matter. Exposures, if you're going to play 100 lineups, and you're like, well, I'm going to have 80% of this guy. Like, that's that's a descriptive term of your diversification. That doesn't mean you're building good lineups. That just means you have that player in 80% of them. So your focus should be on building good lineups. And if it just so happens that in order to build good lineups, I need, you know, to get my projection up, I need 100% of DeMarcus Cousins, then, then I need 100% of DeMarcus Cousins. Maybe Let me try to build lineups without DeMarcus Cousins in it. Right? That's what I tried to do yesterday. I'm like, let's see. Cousins is going to be chalk, but I don't think he's going to be chalky enough. I think the news came out late enough with Wood that I think 49% in the large field is too low owned. He should have been 80 plus percent owned. So I think it's plus EV in a vacuum to play Cousins yesterday in any contest. But I wanted to see, can I build a lineup that is high enough projected for my tastes in my smaller field contest? That doesn't have cousins, so I just X out cousins and I just run it. And I go, wow, I have to give up. I have to give up like seven points in projection just to not play cousins. And then at that point, I'm just like, I'm, I'm not willing to do that. So in my five lineups, I had cousins in all five of them. I mean that that's how that's how I determine it. If he didn't project as well as he did, then maybe then maybe I had options. Okay, let's see, let's see. Corbaum19 says, I won a few hundred last night. You are right. Just having access to good projections makes a world of difference. Yes. And there's a lot of good projections around the industry. I don't want, I, I don't want to claim that, you know, I, I trust Roto-Grinders projections. I trust the team here. It's the projection set that I use personally. But projections around the industry are, are fairly solid. But if you're not starting from there, I mean, that's, that's the NBA is the most projectable sport to get a range of outcomes on players and be able to compare one to another and build good lineups, you know, putting eight together and seeing what the projected lineup looks like. Like, 
That's that's the table stakes to me. That's not that's not you're not getting an advantage by doing so. Like that's that's a must have, right? That term must have that it applies to projections. You know you, you're not you're not going to compete without some form of that in in GPPs in, in anything and just be able to if this guy's out, this guy's in, this guy like it's all done for you. Like you can either do it yourself in your own model or you can subscribe to Rotogrinders and get our premium projections. Rotogrinders.com slash uh, premium. $10 off with the link in the description. Jacob Calloway asks a uh, question about leverage. Bigger fields equal more leverage needed. Is there a mathematical way to tell if you're over or under leverage relative to the field size? Or is it primarily a field thing? Uh, I mean, you could ballpark it. But if you want, all you have to do is add up, is, uh, not add up, uh, the, the ownership product. So multiply the ownership of every player in your lineup. Okay, the, and if someone's owned 23%, that means 0.23. 23% mathematically is 0.23, not 23. So you go through, add up the projected ownership of each player in your lineup, multiply them, and then look at the field size. Oh, the field size is 17,262 then multiply it by that. If the number is under one, you're good, right? And a lot of times it will be. So that's that. That's how to find a general broad-based view of how unique your lineup is. Obviously, it doesn't take into account correlations or anything like that. What's more likely to be in one lineup is more likely to be in another lineup, but at least it gives you a view of that. But a lot of, t- a lot of times with experience, you could just ballpark that. You could just tell, Right? Like, I, if I fade Cousins, I could tell that my lineup is going to, like, I'm eliminating 50% ownership in my lineup. If you, if you said, I'm fading Cousins and I'm fading Olenek, literally just play whatever lineup you want. Like, that's a, that like that's enough leverage that no matter what you do, you're going to be fine. In, in, any, in, in large field, no matter what. Right? So, you, do I have to calculate? Do I, uh, am, I, am, I, am, I, am I gutter? Am I bad? No. You don't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be precise. I'm, I'm very much into conceptual type of learning because I, I use concepts. I don't, I'm, I'm not here doing formulas. I'm not, I'm not exporting this into Excel and putting each lineup down to a 0. 0.32, whatever, like, no. Yes. I look at the general, okay, give me, give me the median, give me the cumulative ownership, which is not like, it's not like perfect, but like with experience, you could just ballpark. I could look at the lineups and go, no, that's not good. That, that, that's good. Okay. That's a good one. Maybe I need to make a little bit, a couple of more of those types of lineups. Like, you're doing this every day. It's one of those things that since I come from poker, in poker, you're at live poker, you're playing like 30 hands an hour, eight hours a day, 10 hours a day, seven days a week, whatever. So like once you get into that mindset and you're just doing this over and over and over again, it's very easy. It becomes so much easier to look at, look at a, look at projection set an hour before lock and just go, Okay, let me run some things. Okay, yeah, guards will be cheap, and this will be here. More people will do this. And then go, okay, well, I'm going to try this, this, this. And this leverage point, I was like, okay, that makes sense. Okay, this, 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 and this. Okay, that makes sense. And then look and, ch- and double-check your work and go, are, are these projected high enough? Are these owned low enough? And I'm like, okay, this one isn't, but this one's fine. And then, then there you go. You're done. I mean, like, but you're doing this every day. Maybe you're doing it for different sports. Maybe you're doing it for multiple slates a day. You're doing it for multiple sites right? You're doing DraftKings here, FanDuel there, Yahoo there. So like, it just becomes like muscle memory because every, sl- every slate is a snowflake. Every slate is going to be different 
There's no one thing that you could apply. Like people ask me, what are your settings? Like my settings are, when I optimize, could be different on every day. It does it depends on the lineups that I'm making. Sometimes I'm getting very condensed. Sometimes I'm getting very broad. Sometimes I'm playing. Sometimes I'm playing these angles. Sometimes I'm playing those angles. Sometimes I'm making these groups, and sometimes I'm not making those groups. It depends on the lineups I want to make. So there's like there's, there's no one calculation. If you're looking for that easy button of like what are they not telling you? You talk, you Jordan. You talk about this correlation, leverage, projection, all these levers. What are the settings on the levers? I know you're holding out. I know there's a certain setting on each lever that prints money. Like, no, every slate is going to be a different. Every, every single slate, every slate is different. So there's no one setting. There's no one anything for it. So if you're out looking for that one anything, you're never going to find it. You're never going to find it. So that that that's my suggestion. Instead of looking for the easy button, there is no there is no easy button. There's none. There's the, even for the for Osimo and Mocklovin and Uticao and, you know, everyone up there, petty theft in basketball, there's no there's no easy button. They're not just sitting there going, uh, roll out of bed and press press a button and then just roll back into bed. And that's like, oh, I'm just going to do the same thing every day, press the button, and then what? that, that doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. It, it, there's, there's, there's human thought processes that goes into this, but human that thought processes that understand these concepts that have models that have simulation methods that they do that. And they go, okay. And they compare the numbers. They play the math and then they build as many good lineups as they can. Uh, uncle Bob asks, if you build single entry lineups, what are the numbers in the projections you specifically look for outside median projection? For example, ceiling matchup minutes projection total. What do you weigh heaviest? Okay. Let's go. Let's go to that. Like screw, screw the sharp players. Screw the results. DB. We're we're getting into questions, so we go here. People, people that are listening on the podcast are like, I wanted them to go over some of the sharp players' liners. Well, you should have showed up and said so. That's why I I I I view my YouTube people the best. If you're in chat, hit that thumbs up button, thummy thumbs, because I love you the most. Answering your questions. Uh, the only columns in 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 where's my mouse? Let me let me blow this up a little bit more. The only columns in lineup HQ I care about is in this projection line. That's it. So you have median projection, right? Fantasy points. Floor ceiling, right? Which is the range. Pro- pro- projected ownership. You got that there. RGV, which is salary adjusted value plus minus. Smash percentage, point per dollar. And point per dollar doesn't matter that much to me. Uh, and GPP. I care more about smash percentage. The percentage of time that they hit a GPP target score based on their projection. That's it. Like, matchup? I don't know. I don't even know who Drummond's playing. Who's playing? To me, I only need to know based on, like, if I'm going to play another guy on the other side of the game in the lineup. I don't even know the total, right? I don't even look at the total. I could eliminate this. It's all proje- It's all in the projection. All this type of stuff. The betting lines. Oh, the DVA. DVR, the ba- minutes per game. All, all, it's all in the pre- it's all in there already. So, like, by by going, I you shouldn't be going. <coughs> for instance, here, Damian Lillard. the The Trailblazers <coughs> have one of the high, the highest total on the slate, right? We have here they have the highest total, one twenty two. Lillard is projected for thirty six minutes, median, forty eight point six points, median, 
Smash percentage, 27%. RGV, uh, plus 3.9. So I'm like, okay, he's a good projected play. I don't then go, well, he's an even better play because it has a 122 total. Well, it's, that's already factored in. If this if this number, if this 122 total was 112, his median projection would be like 45.8 or something, right? His, his projection would go down, right? Because the total is showing how many points median-wise is going to be scored in the game. So it's reflected that in all of the Trailblazers, all of their projections. So like, if you look up here for Drummond, and you go, well, yeah, Drummond at 8.4K projects really well. He projects uh, based on our current 10.23 a.m. projections. And, oh, I can't play him because he's in a low total game. Well, he has a great projection even in a low total. It's already in there. It's already in there. You don't have to look at this. You don't have to care about this. It's it's all factored in to that. If this total, if this 102.75 total was 122, Drummond would, Drummond's, Drummond would be like, <laughs> Drummond's value, this projection would be 56, right? You'd be sitting there and going, how do I not play him, right? The fact that it's a 102.75 implied team total is already factored into his projection. So all the other type of stuff. Well, what's the matchup? It's already in the projection for if you're R, if you're an RG Premium member, it's already in there. All of that stuff is already in there. This is the this is the numerical version of the simulation based on all of the variables for today. That the team is facing Memphis. Who he's facing? If we find out that uh, Jonas Valanciunas is out today, right? We find out. Like Drummond's projection will change. Why? Because obviously that. The defensive efficiency of the Grizzlies will change. Maybe it gets better. Maybe it gets worse. But that'll affect Drummond's status. So you don't have to think. You don't have to think in terms of, well, this guy's out. And uh, how did, now, now, now Drummond's going to feast. Like, it, it, yeah, yeah, maybe his projection goes up to 51 now. It's already in there. You can't then look at it and go, well, he projects well because he's 51 and he's facing garbage center. It's like, no, it's it, him facing a garbage center is already in there. So all you're going to be doing is double counting and wasting your time. Essentially, you're essentially wasting your time. Okay, let's let's go through a little bit. I'm getting I'm getting a message. Hold on, I got to do this first. I'm getting a message that my mouse is going to die. Okay, so I'll be back in a second. I need to get a battery thing because if my mouse dies, I can't I can't even click on anything. So give me give me half a second. I'm going to go run and get my battery pack. Go stare at lineup HQ. Feel free to feel free to write down any of these early projections as you want for free, even though even though they're gonna change. So I'll be back in half a second. save my mouse <laughs> gotta save the mouse and so of course it's an apple it's one of these apple mouses where you have to connect it to the bottom so i can't even use it can't even use it but i gotta i gotta get a little bit i gotta get a little bit a little bit so so i could so i could finish the show but i hope i hope you guys get that about projections i know maybe maybe i'm i'm repeating something that that a lot of you already know about how projections work all, all of those variables are in there. If it's a good projection model, right? You could have a projection model that doesn't take into account 
those types of variables. Well, that would probably be a bad projection model, right? You want to see what's the most predictive and weigh them in some capacity appropriately and then simulate it out, simulate out 100, 1,000, 10,000 results, outcomes for that player in those games, come up with a set of outcomes like Drummond, uh, 31.38 to 67.58 within that one standard deviation range. And you have a median of 48.27. And that's, it factors in all of that already. So, I mean, you could, you could obviously, if you're a premium member, read uh, Means These Core Plays. You, if you're a premium, you could read the grind down. You could read all the content. Eric Beinfor has, has tournament strategy and things like that. But uh, that just gives you context. I, re- I read their stuff, even though I'm, I'm, I'm very much into the projections. All I need are the projections. But I do read Noto's grind down to see the context, right? Because I just see numbers here. But I don't know, like, well, if this guy is, really doesn't get this many minutes, maybe this other guy does. Like, I would never know that without Noto's grind down. Or means these core plays of like, wow, this guy projects well. Maybe I'm not even sure. Why does he project so well? I didn't expect that. I expected him to project well, but not this well. And I'll read means these core plays. And obviously the guys that project the best are going to be in his core plays. And I'm like, okay, now now I get it. Basically, all the variables that are in the model, that's what Andy's explaining. Like, based on this usage and this minutes and all that, oh, okay, okay. That makes me a little bit more comfortable, right? That I'm not just blindly going by a number, but truthfully, I never mind going blindly going by a number. I, 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 I have no problem doing that, but some people don't. So there's content for everyone here at Roto-Grinders. Uh, can I talk about the lineup that I played in the Showtime? I saw you played Russ with Embiid. Yeah, I, I, sa- I said that before, Alex. Finished just behind you last night with Olenek busting. Yeah, I figured if I was playing Russ plus Embiid, I could eat the Olenek chalk in a, in a what, a 400-entry contest. So, so yeah, I, I, the, the, the lineups that I made that did, like, I think I had two lineups without Olenek, and I play, I had to play P.J. Washington in that spot, dude. And I played, ba- I played Bagley in another lineup instead of Olenek. So, like, it was one of those things where, like, I had two lineups with Trey Young, so those lineups were dead, right? It didn't matter. Uh, Chris Kalenich asks, with so many blowouts this year, is it smarter to condense a player pool to include players from closer spreads? Are spreads generally more important than implied total? Uh, the spread of the game is not as predictive of a measure of if the game blows out than you think. Most people avoid games that look like blowouts. So people are like, oh, well, I, I shouldn't play those games. It's like, yeah. And you get the ownership discount on it now, right? That that Bucks, uh, the Bucks-Pistons game last night, like, look at Giannis's ownership. Look at Middleton's ownership. Look at, look at that game's ownership. It was low because it was the highest spread game. So yes, it has more of a chance to blow out. You're right. But you're getting a discount on the ownership when it doesn't. So it makes up for that. High total close spread games typically get owned more because that's what that's what normal people are looking at, right? You're not getting you're not getting the your the ownership's going coming with you also. So you're not you're not you're not gaining anything by doing so. You may gain more by playing the game that looks like it's going to blow out because you're going to get Giannis at three percent and you get Blake Griffin at two percent and if that works out, you could win you could win first place in the GPP. So it's all in relation to the ownership. 
not in relation to the total of the spread. Like the the projections will change based on them. But I, if 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 a if a quote blowout looking game uh, projects well, I'm why not? I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a shot if people aren't. And then you have plenty of games that look like they should be close, right? We have Philly Brooklyn today, right? That's a one and a half point spread. We got Dallas Denver. That's like a two and a half point spread, right? We got the, we got these get the, the, easily, you know. Jokic blows them out, right? Kyrie blows out the 76ers or something, or Embiid blows. I mean, like that could that still happens, right? So you can't just go by that. And more people are going to look at that. More people are going to say, "Well, I better play this game. It's a high total and a low spread." So, I can, so that's where all the ownership's going to come. Let's go through the chat. Let's go through the chat. Uh, Mr. Magic Ghost with, uh, this is a little bit more advanced for, for, for this time, for this time of the day, our optimizers based upon dynamic programming to solve zero one knapstack problems. Uh, how do you teach it to solve for variation? Or is that why you can't only rely on an optimizer? Uh, yes, it's, it's, it's just a knapsack problem. Uh, in order, you can't really, well, you could build an optimizer that solves based on, some form of variation that you program into it, but I mean, here on Lineup HQ, we got like randomness, so like pale hair range of outcomes, so you could add variance to it. Now it's not normal distribution variance; not this is all linear type of stuff. I know that I know there are pl- probably plenty of people that are watching right now going, "What the hell are you talking about?" But no. So most optimizers don't. There's some there's some that have normal distributions or some, but you can add whatever standard deviation you want to a player and then have them different for different players. So you, you can do that. But uh, but the optimizer in and of itself at the end of the day is going to be just, it's just a knapsack problem. Based, and then it's just going to constrain whatever you constrain, right? It's going to try to make the best lineups possible. But if you tell it never to play Drummond and Irving together, it's not going to give you the best lineups with Drummond and Irving in it. So that... That's the technicalities of, of the of the optimizer of lineup HQ here on Roto Grinders. Let's see. Travis Spore says, I heard Blender talk about the unique lineup math yesterday and algebraically the average pwn X of your lineup versus field size Y is X equals eighth root of one over Y. Yeah, that... Obviously, you could you could make the formula look like whatever you want because you could also do uh, one divided by uh, by ownership product, and then like it is that better bigger than the field size or not? I mean, like you, obviously it's an algebra it's 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 algebra. Like you could it matters of how of how you want to you factor it down, right? Do you want to simplify the formula or make it make it more complex? I tend to make it a little bit more complex so people could understand it. So I'm not just giving them a formula, right? Uh, one over the ownership product divided by like then the people's heads just go I'm just like just multiply each of the ownerships by each other then multiply it by the field size very simple linear type of calculation and it's like is that is it less than one you're good like that's the easiest way to say it I mean that that's I try to keep things as easy as possible okay let's see Warwick Wilson says, my favorite, most knowledgeable tout on the YouTubes. If you want to consider me a tout, I kind of, I don't even like using that term. Thanks for the great insight, reviews, and today's approach. Muchos, 
gracias. Thank, thank you, Warwick. Hit, the, hit that thumbs up on the way out. That's, that's the best way to thank me. Hit the thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel. Hit the notification bell so you know when we go live every day. Not just at 11 in the morning, 5.30, right? 5.20, it depends. Uh, an hour and a half before uh, before whatever NBA slate is locking is uh, Grinders Live. And I think uh, I think we got, uh, I think it's Grant and Dean on Grinders Live tonight. So uh, so tune into that on, on YouTube as well. Uh, Robert Berlinski asks, uh, do you run the optimizer for multiple sites like 20 minutes before lock? Latest news. And if so, how do you, can you check all your lineups and get them in in time? It's, it's hard. I only play GPP on one site. Like that's how, I, that's how I do it. Like to do it on three sites is, is, I mean, some people do. I'd rather do one site well than three sites like mediocre. So like I'll play cash games. I'll play one lineup on FanDuel. One lineup on Yahoo, and that's my cash line. That's I'm playing double ups and head to heads and triple ups and all that type of stuff. On DraftKings, I'll play a cash lineup also. Same thing. But on DraftKings, I'm I'm also playing GPP. Now, when I'm when I obviously this week I've been focusing on single entry and three max contests, so I'm hand building like five lineups. But when I play eighty lineups, I'm still only playing on one site. I'm not playing eighty on DraftKings, eighty on FanDuel, eighty. You can, it's just, it's really hard, especially in NBA. It's, 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 it's difficult. It is very difficult to do well. It's not, it's easy to do, right? It's easy to do. I can just jam in whatever the hell I want and cut over an Excel and paste into the, into the file and upload. Yeah. Yeah. But are they going to be good lineup? Probably not. Right. Right. I'm not, I can, I can just jam in whatever. Uh, So it's hard to do well. So I try to focus on one site. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna multi-entry like that, just gonna be one site. I'm trying to work up to doing multiple sites, right? I'm experimenting now, focusing more on single entry three max play. But maybe I go back and certain slates I'm playing, you know, hundred lineups here and fifty lineups there and whatever. But but for the most part, like, yeah, you need to you need to update your projections. I mean, that's it if I will a lot of times build not I will not start building lineups until an hour before lock. And I have to see what news comes out. Like, what is, is planned on coming? Is there any news that we can expect? Obviously, there's always unexpected news. But is there any news to expect? If I have nothing to expect, like, I'm just going to build at an hour before lock. And, you know, it takes me, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, going through some lineups, going through here, going, setting this, moving that. I'm getting too much of this guy. I don't, yeah, I guess I need another small forward. You know, like, those types of things. And I, I manually go through different lineups and I go, Okay, these look good. These look good. This okay, maybe not this. Okay, X X X X X. Those don't, okay. This X X X X. So a lot of times I'm building a lot more lineups. Like if I'm building eighty lineups, I'm not just pressing eighty here. Like it's not going to say build eighty. A lot of times it's build two hundred, and then I go through and I eliminate one hundred and twenty lineups. Like I'm doing stuff like that. Uh, but yes, if there's news that comes out at six forty five, like I gotta I gotta know how to how to do that process like as quickly as possible. And especially if like some new value comes in, and I have to start jamming them. Like, yeah, then then it's just it's quick thinking. It's you get it through experience, and it is stressful. This is not something that's that easy. A lot of times, if fifteen minutes before lock something happens, where it's like so and so sitting, and then you know some four thousand dollar guy becomes like the best value on the slate. A lot of times, just for for simplicity, I just basically hit the lock button and go. I guess I'm running a hundred percent. Whatever comes out now comes out now. That's that. It, it gets to that point. And you get you get to two minutes before lock, and you're like, whatever this next run is, that's what I'm running with. And then you cut and paste, and you, you hope for the best. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's the real deal. 
It's not something sitting here going, okay, I'm just eating a sandwich or something and casually doing this. Sometimes, sometimes 15, 10, 15 minutes before lock, I'm pressing buttons. I'm going here. Is this in? Is that thing here? I'm refreshing. And I'm, it's, it's all over the place. I guess maybe some other people are calmer. Let's see through the chat. Let's see through the chat. Is there a tool on Roto-Grinder that sums cumulative ownership between teams and games to see what games are going over, under, owned? Not necessarily, but you can go... What I like doing in Lineup HQ is I look at the projections instead of like like this with all the players and all the positions in. Like, I'm going to sort by RGV. I'm going to go by, by, by game. So I, like, I click on this all so it eliminates all and go Philadelphia. Who projects well on, Phil, on on the Sixers? Well, based on our current, like, Embiid and then, like, Ben Simmons and Harris are like, eh, right? Then I'll look on Brooklyn's side. Like, okay, you got Irving, you got uh, Levert, Allen, uh, okay. So this is how I would look through and go, what's the ownership comparison, right? That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for smash versus ownership. So I could go team by team and see that. If you want to make it clear to see what games are going under own. But you could also do it by just looking at right at the column. So let's, I'm going to sort by smash. So when I asked before, earlier, how do I use the smash percentage to determine who to play and stuff like that? And what lineups should I consider making? Remember, it's not about players. It's about lineups. So I want to look at the difference between the smash percentage and the ownership. We, we have ownership up early now. This is obviously going to change. We re- I rarely get it. I, I applaud Jamino. The hamsters woke up this morning. The hamsters got up early and, and and gave me ownership, which is great. Because a lot of, I, I can't even talk about much without the ownership. But I take a look at this and I go, okay, 37% smash. He's one of the highest owned. Irving is going to be high owned and that makes sense. But I take a look at here and I go 13.9 in comparison to Drummond over here. Obviously, it's a different price range. But Embiid looks a little under owned for his smash. Jokic, because it makes sense, because obviously if Drummond's going to be chalked, is like I said before, the positional scarcity. It's hard for these other centers to be owned as much. But I go through the smash, and I go through, and I look at the ownership, and I go, oh, 6.3. Valanciunas, yeah, another center. I go through, I'm like, am I going to look at any, because it's a five-game slate, you could start going down into these these 18s and go, okay, Cantor, that's another center. Davis is another, anyone, anyone that's not a center, let's see. Okay, Kyrie Irving may be chalky today, right? We may have Drummond and Kyrie Irving Chucky. So Kyrie Irving is a guard. So now I want to look at point guards because he could fill a point guard spot. Now I want to sort it by smash percentage and go, well, Kyrie is going to be 30% on. Well, D'Lo, we have a very similar ownership, right? Different price, but yeah. So this looks like what more people are going to use. But then I look at like Don, like Luca, obviously, he's going to be owned, but he's also more expensive. Then I'm going to look at well, how about C.J. McCollum? Seems a little overpriced at 8500 but why not? 12.6% projected owned versus D'Angelo Russell, right? Similar price range. Dennis Schroeder, 12.6, right? Lower, you know, it's not as well projected, but still 25% to smash. So I'm looking at that. I'm going, okay, maybe, maybe I could build lineups that don't, in lineups that don't have Kyrie Irving, Maybe I could play CJ or Dennis Schroeder, right? Maybe lineups that don't have D'Angelo Russell, right? Maybe because Ru- maybe I pair Russell because it's Minnesota at Portland. I pair Russell with Lillard or McCollum. With Irving, 
I may prepare Irving because look, look at this. Irving is going to be chalk. This is how you should be thinking about things. Drummond is going to be chalk. As of now, as of now, it's 11.57 in the morning. Who knows what happens? As of now, Drummond, Irving. So I may want to make lineups that have, don't play them together. This is a point guard. This is a center. Now, Irving is playing Philadelphia. Embiid has a good differential between his smash and his ownership. And he's on the other side of Kyrie. He's in the same game as Kyrie Irving. So if I'm going to fade Drummond, well, that's Jokic. If I'm going to fade Drummond, maybe I use Embiid as leverage off of Drummond because they're in the same, Irving does well, the game goes over, Embiid does well, and there we go there. Then Now I'm just going to press optimize and see what the best projected lineup is. Right, you get some Danny Green, uh, Prince, Brunson. I don't know why, but I guess I guess you need a cheap guy in this type of lineup. But you still get Drummond in here, so maybe you don't want to play Drummond at all. So you X him out, and then you run it. Okay, then we get Irving, Beasley, Green, Kleber, Embiid, Russell, James Johnson, and Nurkic. So you get Minnesota, Portland together, kind of a little. Like, this isn't a lineup that I wouldn't run. I probably wouldn't play James Johnson and Kleber together. But this is what this is the, this is is what I'm doing. The strategic decisions of, if I'm going to play Chalk Irving, I'm not going to play Drummond in that lineup. Then who do I play with that? Well, I get the leverage by playing Embiid, the guy on the other side of the game. And then vice versa, you'd do that with Drummond. So let's say you want to eat Drummond. You want to eat Chalk Drummond, but then you don't eat Chalk Kyrie Irving. So I don't want to play, probably don't want to play anyone from that game, maybe. Or maybe play Levert instead. So you do this. So you play Drummond, and then you get rid of Irving. Right? But now now you can play D'Angelo Russell. So you don't mind D'Angelo Russell. Who's on the other side of D'Angelo Russell in that game from Portland? So maybe you play C.J. McCollum in this lineup. Right? But you're not playing Irving. And then you hit optimize and see what comes up. Right? You get Beasley. You may not want to play Beasley and Russell together, right? Or maybe you don't play Russell. Maybe you play Beasley instead of Russell, right? Most likely you don't play Russell and Beasley together, so let's take out Beasley, okay? Take out Beasley and let's let's see what comes up. McCollum, Russell, Green, Kleber, Jeng, Heron and Gomez, Lillard. You probably wouldn't play Lillard and McCollum together. So let's say you take out Lillard also, and let's see what comes up. Russell, McCollum, Luca, you get so this would be a Luca lineup, but with no Denver players, right? I guess so. This is what you would experiment with. I don't know. I mean, this is the type of stuff that I'm doing. Going, what do these lineups look like? Maybe I run a hundred of these exact lineups and see if, is is there anything that makes sense? Oh, I guess in order to play these types of lineups, I need to find some godforsaken cheap ch- cheap forward. And it's like, well, I don't think there's a good enough projected forward. I look at this median of 267.66, right? Like this lineup right now is a median of 267.66. So let's get rid of everything. Get right back to normal. And let me run just the pure optimal. 270. What was the number from before? 267 point. Well, it's not that far off. It's about three or four points off. So that, that that lineup actually was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I was like Stevens. Gee, well, I'm playing Stevens. It's a five-game slate, so obviously the value is going to be thin. But I would take a look at the differences and see, 
Like that's not really that far off. If 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 this optimal number is two seventy point nine five and that lineup was two fifty four, I'd be like, okay, maybe maybe that's a maybe that's a little too far to get different. Maybe that's all just a little bit too far. But this is this is how you would use it by using the RG projections, by using the ownership, the medians, salary adjusted plus minus smash percentage to compare players to one another and then look at lineups. It's not, do I play this guy or this guy? It's, what do these got lineups look like with that guy and this guy? You could either use the previewer here, or you could you could hit, build 10 lineups, build 5 lineups, build 20 lineups, and take a look at who shows up, and say, okay, this makes sense, this makes sense. That, that You could do this for single entry 3 max. I, you, you could use it just like I did right now. This is exactly how I use it to hand build my 5 lineups. If I look at the types of line, I go, okay, I guess I have to use George. I guess I have to use George Hill in the shooting guard spot yesterday. I guess I have to use Garrett Temple in one lineup in order to get this lineup done. And it projects well enough that I that I should be good. Okay, let's go through some questions. Any last minute questions? I know I, I always go over time here. And I don't answer. I, I There's so many questions in here. I can't possibly answer them all. I try to go in depth as possible. I hope some of this stuff answers some of your stuff. But I'm here every morning, 11 a.m. So you could you could you could you could come in any any time. Tomorrow, ask it again. Tomorrow, you could also email me, Jordan at theoryofdfs.com if you have any questions. If I could answer in a short reply. Or just join the premium Discord at Rotogrinders, rotogrinders.com slash premium, or click on the link in the description below, get $10 off your first month. I'm always in there. So it's like the questions that you're asking me on YouTube, you could literally cut and paste and put it in there. A lot of times I say it depends because a lot of times it does depend. Okay, let me scroll through over here. Uh, Let's see. Let's see. Uh, Chris L asks if I manually change a projection on lineup HQ, will it still update to the Rotogrinders projection when the update is made? No, I don't believe so. I rarely, I rarely change the the, the projection. Like if you change, if you change this forty one point seven six to like thirty seven, and then like the projections update and you refresh, it's going to stay there. But you'll get this little tooltip that says source value, to say where 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 it used to be. So so no. Now, obviously, you could upload your own projections, right? You could just upload your own CSV of all the columns and do whatever you want, if you want. Corey Stevens asks, would you play two $10 double-ups compared to playing four $5 double-ups? Uh, you want to play against the weakest players possible. That's By default, that's what it should be. Uh, on most platforms, like DraftKings, uh, the contest under $5, like the double-ups under $5, I can't even play. I can't even see them. Like, once you have over a million dollars of entries, like, I can't play the $1, $2, $3 cash games. So, you want to, you want, typically to reduce your variance, you want to play as many opponents as possible. So, playing 10 $2 double ups that obviously eliminate, like, a couple of hundred of the best players on DraftKings from your contest would be, would be more prudent. I wish I could. I can't. Let's see, let's see. And then Eric Chiasen, same same answer here. I noticed some really good players in the $5 to $10 head-to-heads. Should I be start, starting at the $1 to $3 ones, or is double-ups a better way to wield a bankroll? Like I said before, if you're able to play the $1 to $3 games, I would suggest doing that. If I could, I would. 
but I can't. I can't play against the guppies down there. They, 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 that's how they protect you. Empire Maker can't play you down there, right? Makasupa can't play you. Squirrel Patrol can't play you down there, right? We can't. We, I don't even, we're not, I'm not even able to see them. So you're eliminating a lot of the good players from, from, from drafting. There's still plenty of good players in the low stakes. I'm not saying that there aren't. But you're also eliminating all the high stakes players that could play up, you know, down to $5. And truthfully, I think it should be higher. Personally, right? It, it negatively affects me. But I think the $5 double ups and everything should be restricted as well. I think maybe the line is at 10 or at 25 instead of five. You give, give people the $5 ones also. Oh, Matthew Hampton says Brunson is projecting well because Burke is out. So maybe it's a minutes of bump and an extra second team usage. Okay. This is what I mean by reading content. Like I said before, I was I reacted like, why is Jalen Brunson showing up in a lineup? Like, obviously there's a reason. Like, I don't even need to know the reason. Like, I literally, like truthfully, I don't even need to know the reason. But if I wanted to know the reason, I'd go, I'd go into the grind down by Notorious. I'd go into Meansy's core plays. I go into work content, our expert survey, and it would it would explain it to me. Say, this is why you're seeing that projection. Oh, okay. I trust the team, so like if, if hey, if Jalen Brunson projects well, he projects well. Like, I'm not gonna argue with the math. But if my my when my reaction is why is he there? My first, my go-to thing is let me go to the grind down. Let me go, let me go to our premium written content and go, let me go to this Mavericks game. And go, is there a reason why Jalen Brunson coming? It's not like he projects well, well, but I'm just like, oh, I didn't expect to see him in a lineup. I'm like, oh, okay, Trey Burks. Oh, okay, I get it. I get it now. And if he's not out, then the projection will go down. Okay, I get it. It it, it gives you context. I like all the chat in the YouTube. There are people that are helping each other out in the YouTube. Have you ever seen that on YouTube? Typically, YouTube is a cesspool, right? People yelling at each other. Right, emojis, eggplant emojis, people throwing stuff at each other. It's, this seems to be uh, people uh, helping each other in the YouTube chat. Uh, when constructing MME lineups, I know that you have use a large amount of player groups. Do you have any efficiency tips for modifying player groups when news comes out close to lock or post-lock at NBA? Just start with your groups early. That's what I would say. There's a premium video that I have an entire MME build I did with Britt last year. If you're if you're a premium member, you you could it's like an hour and a half or something. That would that would be the best way to see like this is how I do it. But I don't necessarily on a five game slate. I'm not gonna have that many groups. But I mean, how much modification do you need to do? This guy's in. This guy's out. I mean, like I typically go by team. So like I'm going through like I said before, team by team. Okay, do I play Simmons and Embiid together? Do I play Harris and Embiid? Like, and I'm building rules like that. So in my, in my player group section, it's typically ordered by game. So it's very e- it's much easier for me that if like, oh, so-and-so game and this out, like I know that, okay, where's 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 the groups from that game? I mean, you could obviously write, you could actually name the groups if you want. I think it's a little time, wasting an extra like minute doing that, but but you can. So to me, that's my efficiency tip. It's just my groups are are made game by game, not just, oh, this and this and all all over the place. And if you want to name them in the player groups, we, we you could edit the names of the groups. Okie doke. Frederick Duke, on my third listen of Blender's Theory of DFS Masterclass, I learn more each time. Expensive. 
but most definitely worth the investment. It's a, I don't think it's that expensive. You could go pick that up. Theoryofdfs.com. It's a 15-hour audio masterclass. All of these concepts that I'm talking about are in there. Like, But it's all structured. It's like going to a seminar. It's like going to a little seminar, 15-hour seminar of all the game theory of DFS, and it's in your pocket all the time. And you can refer back to it anytime and you pick up little nuggets. You play, you see, you see, oh, maybe I'm not applying this concept well enough. A new spot. MLB season starts, so it's like, okay, let me see this correlation chapter because MLB is very heavy on correlation. And you go back to it and, and you get better and better. You listen, you listen to the whole thing. Then you play for a couple of weeks. Then you listen back to it again. And then you play for a couple of weeks. That's what I did in poker. I read so many poker books. I listened to so much poker podcast that go and you play at the tables. Come back. You play, you play, you track your results and you go, then you read the book over again and go, okay, maybe I'm not applying this enough. And then these things start getting into your muscle memory. Then even, you know, you could read something three years later and it's like, oh, you, oh yes, you're right. I'm not check raising in this spot enough. Oh, like you would have never known. So that's, that's why I made it that way. I made it so that it's not just you listen for 15 hours and you're done. Never listen to it again. I consider it more of a reference guide. So feel free to pick that up at uh, theoryofdfs.com. And you could uh, always find me in the premium Discord. If you're a premium member, rotogrinders.com slash premium. Click on the link in the description below. Hit the thumbs up button on YouTube on your way out the door. The thummy thumbs. The thummy thumbs. And uh, hopefully before my mouse dies, I'll close out the show. I'll see you guys tomorrow on another edition of the DFS pregame show here on Roto-Grind.